0: Uh, turn in your Bible, please to uh, 2 Timothy second uh, Timothy chapter two. Um, I am going to read from first, but just um, to keep it in context because we're coming back to this after a month, uh, we'll read from first one through to first uh, 19. So Paul's second letter to Timothy chapter 2 this is the word of the living god it's uh, it's infallible it's inherent it's authoritative as we often say it's god's word to ourselves so chapter 2 verse 1 you therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. According to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them both before uh, the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness." And their message will spread like cancer. Hyminius and Philetus are of this sort. Who have strayed concerning the truth. Saying that the resurrection is already past. And they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless. The solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ. Depart from iniquity. Amen. Well, beloved, we uh, come back uh, this evening to 2 Timothy chapter 2 following a month long break. And uh, as you know, Paul is writing this uh, letter uh, to young Timothy. Paul is the mentor, Timothy is his son in the faith. Timothy had hit a low point in his life. He was uh, in a difficult ministry. People were defecting from the faith, and Paul's very concerned about this young prodigy, and he writes this epistle to encourage him toward dedicated, faithful, spiritual service. Now, dedicated, faithful, spiritual service will demand sacrifice. And as Paul indicates, in some cases it may even demand suffering. It may demand martyrdom. Some, uh, Paul, you know, himself in prison, uh, he, he tells Timothy, you know, I'm here for the sake of the gospel. I'm suffering for the sake of the gospel. I'm chained because of it. But then he says in verse 9, although I might be chained because of it, the word of God is not chained. it's Spurgeon was asked, how do you defend the word of God? I don't defend it, he said. I would as soon defend a lion. What do you do with a lion? You let it out of its cage. Now here's a quote from a sermon that Spurgeon preached on that very theme. Title: Christ and his co-workers. He says in his sermon, a great many learned men are defending the gospel. No doubt it's a very proper and right thing to do. Yet I always notice, he says, that when there are most books of that kind, it's because the gospel itself is not being preached. Suppose, he goes on to say, suppose a number of persons were to take it into their heads that they had to defend a lion. There he is in his cage. And here come all the soldiers of the army to fight for him. Well, I should suggest to them, if they would not object and feel that it was too humbling for them, that they should kindly stand back and open the door of the cage and let the lion out. I believe that would be the best way of defending him, for the land will take care of himself. And so the best apology for the gospel of Jesus Christ is just to simply let the gospel out. Never mind about defending Deuteronomy or the whole Pentateuch. Now, obviously, he's writing at a time when German higher criticism was uh, penetrating the church, and there was the whole argument about Uh, The authority and the authenticity of the Pentateuch. Uh, But Spurgeon is saying never mind about defending uh, Deuteronomy or the whole of the Pentateuch. You just preach Christ and him crucified. Let the lion out and see who will dare approach him. The lion of the tribe of Judah will soon drive away all his adversaries. God's word is not chained. Let the lion out. And so friends, picking up from where we left off last month, according to First 10, Paul recognized that his sufferings had an evangelistic purpose. I endure all things, he says, for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory in other words his life and his preaching and his writing and his suffering were the means whereby God was redeeming for himself a people that are his very own beloved what an encouragement that must have been to young Timothy this young pastor uh, receiving this letter from this seasoned campaigner, uh, distant, distanced from him by prison, he's under Paul is under the shadow of execution, and uh, Paul's not whining, he's not complaining, he's not groaning. You know, he's not writing in this letter, you know, Timothy about the glory days back in Lystra. Oh, that you had been there and witnessed all of that revival at that time, Timothy. They were coming to to faith in their droves. Everything was going really well, and you know everybody in Asia who was hearing the gospel seemed to be responding to the gospel. And now, look, uh, everybody is uh, jumping ship. They're all throwing the towel in and walking away. They're deserting the faith. And I'm a miserable soul down here in this dungeon. Woe is me. He doesn't do that at all. He is uh, encouraging his young uh, son in the faith. Be encouraged, Timothy. I'm chained. But the word of God is not chained. People are defecting. But there's always souls like Anisiphorus. So Timothy... You get up in the morning and pledge yourself to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Pledge yourself to be a, you know, an athlete and a farmer. And as we'll see in coming weeks, a, a student of the word of God. And then he, he says, let me add to that encouragement, Timothy, just by quoting a hymn to you. And uh, you can look at the passage and you can say, what hymn? You know, I don't see any hymn. I don't see uh, he who would follow you in I I don't see stand up stand up for Jesus and, and those, uh, those words that you read, Billy. Well, uh, those, uh, that hymn is encapsulated in the fifth of Paul's faithful sayings. You know, friends, every preacher, every Christian knows that thing, well, when things are going haywire, And everyone's defecting. Well, you just you go to the scriptures, don't you? You encourage yourself. You read and you quote. uh, You know portions of scripture that will speak to your soul. You go go to a good hymn book and you read the uh, the hymns that uh, you know just reflect scriptural truth that uh, you know just burn in your heart. And so Paul here he quotes. A hymn. He quotes a bit of a hymn, but some pieces of a of a well-known first-century hymn. And notice he says this: "This is a faithful, a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we shall also live with him." The Lord Jesus Christ said, "Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If we endure, we shall also reign with him." if we deny him he will deny us if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself now what does that mean well first of all this is a faithful or trustworthy saying that little phrase that little introductory phrase is used five times in the pastoral epistles and nowhere else in the new testament it was a way of introducing something that was self-evident or unquestionable in the early church it was a truism something that everybody knew and repeated it was common knowledge Uh, the church by the time that paul writes these epistles had developed a certain creed that had summarized its most basic, important doctrines and teachings. Um, so never listened to any of the nonsense that sometime peddled that it wasn't until the third century before the church really formulated uh, its doctrine uh, and really came to grips to, uh, as to what it believed. You know, uh, as, as these epistles are being written, Uh, within 30, 40 years after the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church knew what they believed. There was a a substance to their faith, and uh, they knew what they believed. And so Paul uh, says here, this is a faithful saying. And he sometimes has the phrase uh, of affirmation, unworthy of all acceptance. He's referring to something that everybody knows. And everybody in the church would have been given an amen too and in this case, this trustworthy saying, this trustworthy statement um, you, you know we know it to him because of the parallelism and the the rhythm uh, and there are other forms of uh, you know pieces of literature, literature that have been found. Uh, from this era that would verify you know that this is the structure of it would imply that this is indeed a hymn that they sung so what are they singing if we died with him we shall also live with him if we endure we shall also reign with him now in the face of persecution that would be very comforting wouldn't it all these lines are first-class uh, conditionals, that is, that they indicate that this is how it really is. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. You know, in the Greek, you may have heard um, about the aorist tense, and this aorist tense of if we died. Fuse the the action as a whole. If at any time we have or shall have died with him. We will reign with him. And live with him in glory. You, you see. It, it, we have the present. And we have the future. You know if you live with him now. And you're dying to yourself now. And you're dying to Christ now. And you're seeking to you know, live out the gospel. As we were saying to, this morning. Making it attractive by how you live. Um. You know, Christ is with you, and He's blessing you. Uh, and if it happens that you die or you're imprisoned as a result of your faith, well, He says, you know, uh, God's faithful and He takes you to glory with Him. So that's what He's basically talking about here. You know, um, telling us, uh, encouraging us to keep an eye on eternity. You know, the contrast between the earth and the Uh, The future splits uh, this thing into two different time zones. Yes, you are here, but also keep an eye on the future. And so if we have died in the present, we have died to Christ. And in this case, with Paul writing this uh, epistle to Timothy, I take it that he he has martyrdom in mind. He knows that uh, the executioner's ex isn't far from him. Uh, And paul is saying you know if we go to the extent in our dying to christ and dying for christ that we actually physically lose our lives he says don't worry about it because we still gain he says to the philippians to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord we will live with him In other words, beloved, he is saying losing your life here simply means gaining better life in the hereafter. You're just going into the immediate presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. If for the cause of Christ you lose your life, the promise is you'll receive it right back in glory. You'll live with him, says the Apostle Paul. It's far better to depart and be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. This is the hope that filled Paul's heart. This is the hope that he wanted to be filling Timothy's heart. And it's the hope that he wants to fill our hearts with. You know, uh, that hope filled the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ, didn't it, on the cross? What did he say? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Stephen, that first Christian martyr, as the stones fall upon him in Acts chapter 7, verse 59, what was the hope that filled his heart? He said, Lord, receive my spirit. You see, beloved, if you die with him, you will live with him. What an amazing comfort. And on the other hand, he says, beginning there at verse 12, if we endure, if we patiently endure, persevering under trials, again, it's a present and uh, active indicative, continually, you know, present endurance, patience. If we keep on patiently enduring, we will also reign with him. You see, I think what he's driving at here is not everyone, not all will be martyrs. Some, in fact, many will just endure the persecution on a daily basis. And if we do, if we are called upon to endure the persecution, he says, look, again, keep an eye to eternity, keep an eye to the future because you will reign with him. You see, if we die as a result of martyrdom, we will live with him immediately. But if we have to, you know, endure persecution, patiently endure it, keep an eye to eternity also because we will reign with him. Think of the reward, keep the reward in view. So you see what he's saying. If you stick your neck out and you're bold and you preach the truth of Jesus Christ and you wind up losing your life because of it, you're going to live with him. Keep that in view. Or and if you give your life in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ and in doing so you have to endure persecution and animosity and bitterness and hatred and whatever else um, you may be under the kosh now. But you're going to be over it in eternity. Our sufferings in this life are but for a moment, as Paul says to the Romans. And you will reign with him. You may be submitting now. You may be persecuted now. But you're going to be the authority then. You will be sitting on thrones. You're going to reign with the Lord Jesus Christ in his kingdom. Again, what an encouraging promise the idea is that loyalty to Christ endurance and persecution is rewarded with eternal glory eternal reigning with Christ it's a wonderful wonderful promise beloved Now Paul has already mentioned the eternal glory at the end of verse 10 and so we may endure here but we are going to receive eternal glory, in the life to come. We're going to reign together with all the other believers who have gone before us. And those folks have also likewise endured, haven't they? And we're going to be with them. You see, this is a statement not only about faithful servants; It's also a statement about perseverance of the saints. If you die with Christ... You will live with him. Why? Because in a sense. If you have gone all the way to death. In faithfulness. To the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that proof positive. That you're a genuine Christian. And that you're going into his presence. To live with him forever. Proof positive isn't it. That you've persevered to the end. On the other hand you. You. See, not everybody's called to be a martyr. But if you've endured all the persecution, all the animosity, continually endured it, uh, never abandoned the faith, but you have uh, remained firm and steadfast, then you're going to be the one who demonstrates that you're a genuine believer who will reign with Christ. Why? Because you have persevered. You see, this also teaches that wonderful doctrine of the perseverance of the saints how do you know a person is genuinely saved that's what we were asking this morning we're bringing the aspect out of the fruit of the spirit what other ways do we know that a person is genuinely saved is because they persevere they don't throw in the towel they go through the difficulties they go through the struggles they go through the perse- persecutions and they are true to the savior they persevere And yes, we acknowledge there are lapses. There are times when, like Peter, um, we may deny the Lord momentarily, uh, go out and weep bitterly, as Peter did. And Peter, you remembered, well, he was brought back, and he repented, and he eventually died as a martyr, true to the faith. The Lord told him that he would uh, the die a martyr's death, and tradition says that, that he did. Uh, so the elect will always endure. That, uh, they will always persevere. That's an evidence that you're a Christian. That's you know, when you're testing yourself and you're examining yourself as to whether you're in the faith, uh, when you're ticking the boxes, that's one of the boxes you want to be looking at. Am I persevering here? Am I continuing? So, we are secure in our salvation from the divine side because God has chosen us, and in choosing us in Christ, He will never let us go. And we are secure from the human side of a it like that because uh, by His power we persevere. You know, all throughout the New Testament, that doctrine of the perseverance of the saints is taught. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So he says on this first point, if you're going to die, if that ends up being the case, that you end up being a martyr, he says, you're going to live with him. It's a win-win. You're going straight to glory. And if you have to endure all the hardship, all the persecution, you know, without being glib about it that's all right too because in the end you're going to reign with Christ you're always on a winner but he doesn't stop there does he he gives us the whole faithful saying he gives us the whole verse out of the hymn if you like verse uh, 12 and 13 well the end of verse 12 and into verse 13 if we deny him he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Our friends, uh, there's some question as to whether John Stott, the late John Stott, is right in suggesting that here in this final phrase in verse 13, we have a word of warning. And Stott says we have a word word of warning in that uh, faithfulness on the part of God means the faithfulness which he exerts in carrying out his threats also. So if he promises to do something, namely to banish the, the wicked, the faithless, on the part of God, uh, you know, God to be faithful to his word, he has to do that. Uh, and that's that's argument. And he says, this is a word of warning. You know, if he promises that in our denial of him uh, before men, we will be, not, be denied before the Father. Uh, the faithfulness in the part of God to remain true to his promise means that he will do it. And so Stott is basically saying in his commentary on Timothy, uh, I believe that this is a word of warning here. uh, And he's telling us to beware. So is Stott right? There's uh, an Orthodox Presbyterian minister, well, a late Orthodox Presbyterian minister, uh, by the name of George William Knight. Not just George William Knight, but he's actually the third way these Americans always go for, you know, the first, the second, and the third. Well, this is the third one. He's a minister, as I say, of an orthodox church uh, in the States. But he takes the exact opposite position to uh, to, to start, and he suggests that what we have here is actually a word of encouragement in the style of the predicament of the prodigal son, which is an interesting slant on this. So you know the story of the prodigal son who, having made a hash of it, Uh, returns back up the road head down wondering if he's going to be accepted by the father but in fact is welcomed back by uh, the faithfulness of his father Uh, despite the faithlessness you know of his wandering off into the far country so what are we to say what can we say with confidence Well, friends, with confidence, we can certainly affirm that God cannot disown himself. That God will not. God cannot. God does not act contrary to his will. That his omnipotence is such that he can do anything, absolutely anything that he chooses to do. But what does our God choose to do? He chooses only to do that which is good. What we were thinking of when we were gathered around the table this morning? How does God act in loving kindness? Jesus came, my soul in mercy to reclaim. We've got a good God. We've got a gracious God, and God will act according to yes to the perfection of His character and His will. And so we can say with confidence that at the end of the day, shall not the Judge of all the earth do right? And so. We began with the faithlessness of Phigelius and Hermogenes. And so we conclude with a reminder of the faithfulness of our faithful God. And in between we pondered the sufferings of Paul, a call to disciplined endurance, and a call to suffer faithfully for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, friends, when you read this passage and you read such passages, you often wonder who are the ones who ever conceived off the idea that Christianity was all smiles and strolls and health, wealth and happiness. You know, Christianity is a battle. We are fighting in enemy-occupied territory. And uh, it's people with empty heads and closed Bibles have said, you know, if you come to Christ, everything will be rosy. You know, you find yourself in the thick of a battle when you come to Christ. It's demanding, but it's also rewarding. It must have been in the consideration of these things that a young Jim Elliot, writing in his diary, uh, as he was graduating from Wheaton College, said that he wanted to graduate with an AUG. You say, what's an AUG? Well, he got it from Second 2 Timothy 2.15. He wanted to graduate with an approved on to God. irrespective respect to what everybody else was thinking. It was God's approval that he was thinking of. And maybe it was in a consideration of the call to be this kind of soldier, this kind of athlete, this kind of farmer. That Jim Elliott wrote in his diary one evening before going to bed. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. If we die with him, we'll also live with him. See, see to he stud with all his wealth and all his learning, turned his back on all of it, turned his back on all that the security of his wealth and his learning uh, represented, and he had it out in the firm conviction to the mission field and he said you know if Jesus Christ be God and died for me then no sacrifice that I could ever make for him could ever be too great you see beloved the fundamental conviction that if Jesus Christ is worth serving he is worth serving well whether that be in the home whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in university, whether it be, um, you know, out in the the big bad world. You know, Jesus Christ is worth serving. Wherever he has placed you, he is worth serving well. Let me ask you this in closing. What's the passion of your life? What is it? What are you really after? What do you really want to do with your life? I mean, what are you looking for? You're looking for prosperity, to be upward mobile, in the area of employment. Is that what you're looking for? You after the comforts of this world? What's your agenda? Do you want financial security? Is that what you're going to spend all your energies on, concerning yourself with? You know, friends, uh, we need to remember that the church of Jesus Christ grew and has been built upon the, the lives, if you like, of those who have given themselves sacrificially for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we need to Persevere. In our faith. We need to be showing. As clearly as possible in our lives. That we have a saviour. Who has called us. And we're living for him. And he's a saviour who is worth serving. You know beloved. We want to be faithful. Servants of Jesus Christ. We want to be. Faithful soldiers of Jesus Christ. You know as we. Go through this life. We want to hear the well-done, good and faithful servant when we depart it and we go into glory. Let's not trifle with the things of the world. Let us look to our preeminent God and seek to serve him as faithfully as we can by his grace. Let us pray. Lord, we, what a thrill it is to, to know that you have redeemed us what a thrill it is to know that we're part of the household of faith. And I guess, Father, uh, as, a, as a reflect here, the, the words of George Whitfield, Whitfield come to mind. Lord, when you see me in danger of nestling down, becoming, becoming comfortable, put a thorn in the nest. Lord, help us not to nestle down. Help us not to get comfortable in this life or in this world It was always to be on the cutting edge. To be all that you want us to be. All that you've called us to be. And we thank you that we can learn from our dear brother Timothy and what Paul wrote to him. We know that Timothy today lives with you in the glories of heaven. And someday we'll uh, no doubt talk with Timothy. And we'll commune and we'll sing songs of, of praise with others who have uh, gone before us. And Lord, we thank you for all the other great men and women of the ages who give themselves sacrificially for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What an example they are to us. And we pray that we might be faithful in whatever ministry or whatever service uh, you have given to us. Oh Lord, give us. And grant us boldness and courage in the cause of the Saviour and the gospel that we profess. Here us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.